Y'all doing all right? Yeah. All right. Y'all got y'all guys still with me through First Samuel? All right. All right. Even if you've been missing uh, Bible studies, the podcasts are available. Um, so uh, it's it's been a journey. Um, we're getting there. We should be done um, probably the end of January. We'll be done to the whole series of First Samuel. Um, I don't know about you guys, but um, I've read First Samuel numerous times. Um, but it seems like the insight that I'm getting out of the last couple weeks from this book has just been amazing. So I hope you guys have been enjoying the journey. Um, uh, we, we're going to share our, um, our year in vision, uh, for 2020 in a few weeks. Um, so we'll go through some of the series and things of that sort, uh, that we're going to be, um, dealing with for 2020. Uh, but that's at another time. So I'm glad to have you guys here with me today. You guys ready for the holidays? All right. Royston spent all his money. <laughs> He's like, I'm done. <laughs> if I ain't got a gift for you, you ain't getting one. All right. So um, I'm going to get you guys out of here so y'all can run to Amazon because I know don't nobody go to stores no more. Um, and we're going to go right through the word. Uh, so we're going to go to the book of First Samuel, the 20th chapter. First Samuel 20. And when you get there, say Amen. All right. We're going to just walk through this today. Um, It says David fled from Naoth and Ramah and came to Jonathan and asked, what have I done? What did I do wrong? How have I sinned against your father so that he wants to take my Life. I want to stop right there for just a couple minutes and add context to this first verse, because if you didn't read the 19th chapter, uh, then you may miss some certain things uh, here, starting here at the 20th verse. Uh, so we understand in the 19th chapter, we talked about this in Bible study, that Saul is after David. Do y'all remember this on Wednesday night? Yes. And David is now, he goes and he runs. Now watch this. He First, he starts off in the palace. When he's at the palace, uh, Saul throws three javelins at him. Misses all three times. Saul, uh, or Jonathan tells him to go run to a secret place. And then we went to Psalms 91. He that and what dwelleth in the shall abide of the almighty. And we see that Jonathan is giving David instruction to go to where a secret place. He actually uses those exact words, run to a secret place. Because sometimes when we are under pressure, we have to find our secret place in God. Am I the only one? Uh, when it's too much noise, when there's too much activity, when things are going crazy in our life, you got to learn how to find a secret place. The problem is that sometimes it's hard to find a secret place, <laughs> especially those of us that have kids, especially some of us that have four. It's hard to find a secret place. So I'll find myself in the sunroom, the garage. Sometimes I pull up. Some of y'all parents know what I'm talking about. You get off of work and you just sit in the driveway for 30 minutes just to get your mind right before you walk. I'm preaching already, ain't I? You just pull up and you know what you're getting ready to walk into. So you just sit in the driveway and just meditate day and night. So he now tries to go to where a secret place. And when he runs to the secret place, where he runs to a place that he thinks is a secret place, he runs home. But he finds out that his home isn't a secret place either because he's married to someone that can't intercede for him. She believes in idols. She doesn't believe in his God. 
So therefore, there's no secrecy. So now David has to run again, searching for a secret place. And finally, he finds the secret place at Ramah, which is where Samuel lives, which is the house of the Lord. So now we go back to Psalm where David says, there is one thing that I desire and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. How? Wow. How long? Forever. Why? Because this is my secret place. Church should be our secret place. This should not be a place of drama. This should not be a place of confusion. This should not be a place of stress, but this should be a place that where we dwell. That's that's the, that's the Holy Ghost. This is a place that where we dwell here, this is a place where we should be able to find peace with God. And now, since he's in his secret place, we understand that when God is your protector, no weapon formed against you will prosper. When you get inside of a secret place with God, every single plan, every single opposition, every single thing that the enemy tries to come up against you will not work because you're under the shadow of the almighty. So now Saul sends his guide to the church to get David, but because David is protected by God, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord fell on them and they begin to prophesy. Saul says, oh, you know what? Let me get some, another army of men. He sends another army of men and they fall on the floor and they begin to prophesy. Saul says, all right, that's it. I'm going to send one more. He sends another troop of men through and they go and they prophesy. Finally, Saul gets up from his chair. He says, I'm going to do something about this. And he goes with his spear. And when he goes, the Holy Ghost falls on him and he starts prophesying. Not only does he start prophesying, but the Bible says he starts throwing his clothes off. Because God is prophetically speaking to him that you are no longer king. David now sees this. Huh. Can, I, can we work with this for a minute? David now sees this. But yet we see in the 20th chapter, he still runs. Why do you run if the Holy Ghost is on Saul? <laughs> because you got to be careful that a one-time experience doesn't fool you into believing that a person has changed. Amen. That's right. Good word. I'm okay. Right. <laughs> Y'all quiet. Uh-huh. Now, you come to the altar today and you give your life to God and you cry and you, you, you know, you, you do it all. And, and, and we have to understand that sanctification is still a process after all of that. And what has happened is we see one experience and we take a person in not realizing that they still have issues. Amen. Y'all quiet. That's right. I told you it reminds me of a story that I told a couple weeks ago of my friend. Uh, he used to make me go on West Coast video every day. Yeah. Y'all remember West Coast video. Carrie, you know West Coast video. You ain't. Blockbuster. <laughs> Blockbuster later. Y'all remember West Coast video? We used to walk in West Coast video every day and I'm like, why are we coming in West Coast video? I don't even got a West Coast, West Coast video card. Coming to find out he was in love with the cashier. So he had me walking in there with him so he could look at the cashier girl. <laughs> Little did he know that the cashier girl was saved. His intentions was to get with her. Her intentions was to save him. <laughs> he wasn't saved. But he wanted her so bad that he went to church with her and faked his salvation to get her. Luckily, she really had the Holy Ghost. So she was able to discern that it wasn't about God. It was about her 
and she cut him loose. But if she was foolish, she would have fell for that act. Connected with somebody because they gave her an experience and she would have thought he was saved and would have connected with something that would have been a thorn in her side for the rest of her life. Y'all quiet in here. You got to be careful of folks that have a one time experience. You know the fruit. You know a person by their fruit. I thank God you shout, but do you love people? I thank God that you dance and I, I appreciate it. And I, I was touched by you crying today, Carrie, but are you still lying? <sighs> oh, it's quiet in here. <laughs> we got a whole lot of, can I go a step further? I grew up in, y'all know, I grew up in the Pentecostal Apostolic Sanctified Church. Y'all, and, 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 seriously? And, and y'all, y'all know, uh, we believe in, in tarrying for the Holy Ghost. Come you know what I'm talking about. And get on the floor and you go tarry yeah. until the Holy Ghost fall on you. And we go to the altar and we tarry. Finally, you ain't saying Jesus no more. Spit coming down. You almost there, baby. You got it. Come on. And they coaching you. That's the truth. And you ready to get up? You ain't got it yet. Get back down. Get him some tissue. He's going to be here for another hour. And those of us that ain't got it, we had to sit there and wait for you. Come here. Let me stop. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. And if you ain't got it, we're going to come back next week and we're going to do this again. And then finally, something happened. That Jesus is on a Hey, hey, ho, ho. We all get excited. <laughs> I'm sitting in the back. I hear, hey, yeah, we going home. <laughs> now watch this. You got to be careful because suppose I'm just tired. And I'm tired of you screaming in my ear. And I learned how to emulate Kara's tongue. I'm always picking on Kara. And Kara goes, come on. And in order for me to get up, I go, and you telling me I got the Holy Ghost based off of that experience. Y'all, y'all with me? (laughs) You just want them to get out of your ear so you'll fake an experience to pretend you have something so that you can move on. Y'all quiet in here. David is going through this and recognizes it with Saul. Yes, you're prophesying, but you still hate me. Ooh, help me, Jesus. Yes, you're still shouting, but you're still evil. Y'all with me? Yes, you're still preaching, but you're still cussing and fussing. And I appreciate that moment, but I cannot stand up and say that whether or not you have been completely changed. So rather than me falling into the trap of believing you, I'm going to run and see whether or not your fruits will bear fruit. All right. All right. So David does not sit there off of one experience that Saul has. He runs. And now we see he fled from Naoth and Ramah and came to Jonathan and asked him, what have I done? Watch this. He's prophesying, he's shouting, he's, he's, he's falling out, out of his clothes, but I know he still hates me. What did I do wrong? How have I sinned against your father so that he wants to take my life? 
Jonathan said to him, watch this. No, you won't die. Listen, my father doesn't do anything great or small without telling me. So why would he hide this matter from me? This can't be true. I just spoke to my father in the 19th chapter. And in the 19th chapter, I asked my father, why did he want to kill you? And he made an oath in chapter 19 that as long as the Lord liveth, David will not be killed. But what he didn't understand was he actually was prophesying. He was actually speaking the Davidic covenant because the Davidic covenant was as long as David lived or as long as David's bloodline was upon the face of the earth, they would sit upon the throne. He didn't realize that what he was talking about was he was talking about Jesus, because if you go through the 40 and two generations and you start with Abraham and you get down to David and you keep going, you land on Jesus. So he says, as long as the Lord thy God liveth, David will not be killed, meaning that David's bloodline will always be alive because Jesus was going to come out of the blood. And I'm so glad that I serve a God that's not dead. He's what? He's still alive. And his name is Jesus. Yes, amen. So he's sitting here. He's saying, my dad told me he wasn't going to kill you. But that's how sinners are. They'll lie right in your face. And he's thinking that his father wouldn't have the audacity to lie to him. Because I'm close to him. And if he does anything great or small, he always tells me. So why would he hide this matter from me? This can't be true. The question I got to ask you, Jonathan, is have you been watching the last three verses of your life? Have you not seen that for the last two chapters, he's been throwing javelins at David? Have you not seen in the last three chapters, he's been putting him on the front line to be killed, but God's glory and God's grace keeps allowing David to win battles. But sometimes we believe in people. Even when they have already shown their true colors, because sometimes it's hard to believe that some people can be so evil. Amen. Amen. Y'all with me? Yes, I am. Next verse. But David said, your father certainly knows that you have come to look favorably on me. He has said, watch this. Jonathan must not know this. David knows what Jonathan don't even know. Because David knows that Saul is talking to other people. He said, Jonathan must not know this or else he will be grieved. Can I show you something here? This is the attributes of a sinner. The attributes of a sinner does two things. Y'all with me? First attribute is when you're in a sinful nature and you don't want to repent, you isolate yourself. All right, I'm going to talk about myself. When you in your dirt, you ain't trying to be around nobody else. Just in case they discerning spirit might work. So you don't give eye contact. You stop showing up at all the gatherings. You definitely don't go around your saved family members. Because you don't want them to read your heart, so you try to hide. And the other thing that you do is you do what Saul does here, is you connect with like-minded people. Because they don't make you feel bad about your dirt. Y'all quiet. So what you'll do is you'll connect with folks that's cussing and fussing just like you are. So what Jonathan did or what Saul did was he told 
this to people that had like minds like him. And that's what we do in our sinful nature. First thing we do is we isolate ourselves. And the next thing we do is we connect ourselves with people that are doing the same dirt that we have or someone that has dirt on them just in case they try to expose our dirt. So he's working behind the scenes with other people because he doesn't want his son to know how dirty he really is. Y'all with me? David also swore, as surely as the Lord lives and as yourself live, there is but a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you. This is powerful because Jonathan is potentially the next king. His father is Saul, the king. It's easy to wipe David out. So that the story can continue with him as the next king. But he humbles himself to understand that there's someone that can handle the assignment better than me. How many of us are secure and knowing that if someone is more gifted than I am, I can move out of the way so that their gift can flourish? Or are we so jealous that it's so much about us? That will destroy someone else's gift so that we can shine, knowing we don't have the same abilities as them. Yeah, quiet. Why would I give the ball to Ben Simmons to shoot the last three of the game if I got Steph Curry on my team? Yeah, quiet. I had to talk some sports right there. Why? When I make Tim Tebow my quarterback, <laughs> when I can have Lamar Jackson. <laughs> but because I want to be the man, I'll kill their character and I'll kill their gift so that I could be the man, mess it up and have no results. And by the time we put them back in position, They've been so torn and their confidence is so ruined that they never are able to be the person that they were intended to be. If you would have moved out of the way to begin with. Help me, Jesus. You got to understand when somebody's powerful in their gift, push them. When somebody is gifted, push them. If you can't sing and they can sing, move. Y'all, she like. If T.D. Jake come in here, I'm going to sit down. He got something to say. I'm going to listen. But when I'm so caught up in myself and I don't want to advance the kingdom, I want to build my own. I'll cut somebody's head off so that I can make a name for myself and my name still won't be great because I never was called to be in that position to begin with. If Jonathan would have killed David, then Jonathan would have ruined Israel. But Jonathan recognized that David was able to do something that I couldn't do. David is not only a worshiper, but David is a warrior. David is an intercessor. David has proven that under pressure, he will not fall. When javelins were thrown at David, David ducked but kept ministering. And my question is, if I I can't do that. Then let me move out of the way and let somebody do that. That will do that. But don't let me become a hindrance to somebody that has a greater gift. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Jonathan says, whatever you want, I'll do. Because I recognize you're the man. It's okay. I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I'm here today. It's okay. It's okay. Why get in the way when God is preparing a path for you that you're the man in or you're the woman in? Why step in the way of what God has anointed and called when he already has a path for you? See, the problem is you're studying their path. You ain't focused on yours. When we're trying to be the best that we can be in our path, we ain't got time to be worrying about what somebody else is doing in theirs. So Jonathan is basically saying to David, I'll move out of the way because I recognize that you are gifted. Watch this. You have to understand how humble this is. Saul came from nothing. Saul was a farmer. From the smallest clan, from the smallest tribe, and finally his family made it. And Jonathan is only second generation wealth and still is able to say, if I got to go back to the hood so that you can succeed, I'll go back. It's powerful, y'all. So David told him, look, tomorrow is what? A new moon. What is a new moon? A new moon happens once a month. And it is actually, um, it symbolizes for the people of Israel to come um, where they observe. They celebrate for three days. And they're looking for God to give them insight for the next new moon, towards the next new moon. So this is a discerning season. It's a season of celebration. Because God is getting ready to speak to give us some insight. Mm. Y'all with me? So so during this time, they usually take three months, three days, rather, where they would celebrate. They'll bring food. They have a festive. They're they're waiting to hear what the prophets are getting ready to say because God is getting ready to give them a new word for their new season. Now, watch this. He says, look, tomorrow is the new moon and I'm supposed to sit down and eat with the king. I'm supposed to celebrate. Instead, let me go and I'll hide in the field until the third night. I'm supposed to be celebrating. But because I'm under pressure in this season, I'll go hide when everybody else is celebrating. Have you ever been in a situation or a season in your life where it seemed like it was everybody's season but yours? Amen. Y'all quiet. Amen. Everybody getting houses. Everybody getting cars. Everybody got a man. Everybody got one. Everybody on vacation. <laughs> And you're like, Lord, 2019 was really that year. And you're sitting there in a cave. You're sitting there hiding. While everybody else is celebrating this new season, it seems like it's the worst season of your life. I don't know if anybody else ever been there before. Where it seems like the world is flourishing. It seems like God is shining on everybody. You talk to your dog and your dog bless. He got a new bowl. Everybody got something. Oprah gave everybody a car but you this week. This is where David is. 
It's a new moon. It's a new season. And when I'm supposed to be celebrating with everybody else, God has me in a cave. Why? Why do I have to go through this? When it looks like everybody else is having the time of their life. Why has 2019 seemed like it has been the toughest year that I've had in the longest time? God, why? All right, I'm the only one that's been frustrated like that before. Woo, every week. Paid on Friday, broke by Monday. Woo. Tuna fish. Spaghetti, big pot of spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti every night. Amen. <laughs> Ain't nothing to look forward to. <laughs> What's for dinner, spaghetti? <laughs> what y'all having Wednesday, spaghetti? <laughs> you finally got a little money for some ground beef, spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> now you done ran out of sauce. <laughs> Pasta <laughs> with butter. <laughs> <laughs> Friday, oodles and noodles. <laughs> Some of y'all got creative with the oodles and noodles. You chop up stuff, put it in there. Hot dogs and oodles and noodles. <laughs> Sugar water. <laughs> Sugar bread. Just making up stuff after a while. <laughs> Eggs and rice. <laughs> Worst season, it appears to be in David's life, but it's the best season. And the reason why this is the best season for David is because this is the season that God is actually speaking. And this is the season that God is actually getting ready to give him insight for his vision. See, sometimes we can become so consumed with blessings that we don't see what the next level is. So while you're so caught up in the Christmas bonus, you fail to understand in two weeks that'll be gone. But God has somebody else in the cave and they're they don't they're they're strategizing. God is giving them insight. And what I'm here to encourage somebody to let you understand is that this might not have been the best year in 2019, but this has been the best year for you to create strategies for the best 2020. Y'all quiet. You've learned how to save money this year. You've learned how to balance your checkbook. You've learned how to eat right. Some of us learning how to eat right. <laughs> you learning how to how to fix certain things and correct your wrongs. And only that would have happened unless God would have put you in a cave. Amen. And God has put you inside of this so-called dark place to give you instructions for your next season. I don't want to get Pentecostal, but I need somebody to look at your neighbor and say, thank God for the cave. Uh-huh. So instead, let me go hide in the field until the third day. If your father misses me at all, and say David urgently requested my permission to quickly go down to go to his town Bethlehem for an annual sacrifice there involving the whole clan. If he says God good, then your servant is safe. But if he becomes angry, you will know he has evil intentions. Deal faithfully with your servant, for you have brought me into covenant with you before the Lord. If I have done anything wrong, then kill me yourself. Why take me to your father? Watch this. I'd rather die in the hands of my friend than the hands of my enemy. Woo. Next verse. No. Jonathan responded. 
If I have ever, if I ever find out my father has evil intentions against you, wouldn't I tell you about it? Haven't I already told you, David, last verse or last chapter? So David asked Jonathan, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? He answered, David, come on, let's go out to the field. So they both went out to the field. Let's go down to the 18th verse. This is this, this a whole lot. This is a whole lot. I don't want to, I don't want to worry your patience. 18th verse. All right, there we go. All right, all right, all right. Jonathan once again swore to David in his love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. That is true friendship. That is true friendship. Not only is that true friendship, but that is the Ten Commandments. Because that, that is one of the two commandments actually given by Jesus. Because you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So what Jonathan is basically saying is the same way I'm going to handle you is the same way I would handle myself if I was in this situation. And that's the way we should look at people whenever we handle them. Are you handling the person the way that you would want to be handled if you were in a bad situation? If you were in a tough situation? When you're talking about people, would you like somebody to talk about you if you were in that situation? Wow. Wow. So this should change our whole view of when we start gossiping about people. Uh-oh. I don't like nobody talking about me. So if I don't like people talking about me, why are they the center of my conversation when they're not around? Hmm. And then the question I have to ask myself sometimes, because I ain't going to lie, every once in a while I get caught up, is why are they on my mind so hard that I'm spending 20, 30 minutes talking about them? And the next question is, am I on their mind? Why am I talking about Diddy? Did Diddy wake up this morning and say, I wonder what y'all going to preach this morning at Hope Haven Church? Is Beyonce worried about y'all? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wonder what she wore to church this. But we spent 30, 40 minutes talking about folks that ain't even worried about you. And could it be that that's why they're successful? Because they ain't worried about you? So Jonathan once again swore to David in his love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said to him, tomorrow is the new moon. You'll be missed because your seat will be empty. This is supposed to be a celebration. The following day, hurry down and go to the place where you hid on the day this incident began and stay beside the rock of Ezel. That's where the man from Friday got his name. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Don't y'all take that out of here. I will shoot three arrows. <laughs> Some of y'all like, Shh. I will shoot three arrows beside it as if I'm aiming at a target. Then I will send the young man and say, go find the arrows. Now, if I expressly say to the young man, look, the arrows are on this side of you. Get them. Then come because the Lord lives. Because as the Lord lives, it is safe for you and there is no problem. But if I say this to the youth, look, the arrows are beyond you. Then go. For the Lord is sending you away. Look at this. He's in a cave, but God has given him instruction. And what we have to do is when we're in dark seasons in our life, is still look for instruction. Don't shut down. Don't get caught up in the circumstance. I'm talking to me now. Thank you, Jesus. Don't get caught up in the dark season. Instead, look at it as an opportunity to find instruction for what your next step is. Who am I talking to right now? Yeah. 
I'm in a dark place. I'm not going to get depressed. I'm not going to shut down. I'm not going to isolate myself. I'm not going to be angry with everybody when I walk in here today. Praise the Lord, Pastor. (laughs) No. I'm here to worship. What is God going to say to me through the word? What insight is God going to give me through worship? What insight is God going to give me through the worship team? So even in dark seasons of David's life, watch this, God is still speaking. I'm here to tell somebody today, in your dark place, God is still speaking. You just have to listen for his voice. Stop getting caught up in the madness of what you see and close your eyes and listen. Amen. So God has given him instruction. But if I say this to you, look, the arrows are beyond you. Then go, the Lord is sending you away. As for the matter, if I have spoken, the Lord will witness between me and you forever. So David hid in the field as the new moon at the new moon. The king sat down to eat the meal. Now watch this. He sat at his usual place on the seat by the wall. Saul has his back against the wall because he's paranoid. I don't know if any fellas ever know this, but they tell you if you go on a date, always face the door. Am I the only one that's been told that? All right, praise God. If, if a guy takes you on a date, he's supposed to always face the door. Just in case any type of trouble comes in, he can protect you. So Saul has his back up against the wall so he can always monitor who's at the door. But it's not for protecting anybody else. It's for himself. He's selfish. (laughs) Jonathan sat facing him. So Jonathan's back's against the wall. So somebody came in. They could kill Jonathan. Jonathan is facing him. Abner took his place beside Saul. But David's place was empty. And David is on his left side. Now, we know in the Bible, most people are right handed. (laughs) Keep that in mind. David is on his left side. Saul did not say anything that day because he thought something unexpected has happened. He must be ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. Yes, that's it. He's unclean. He's trying to justify. And when and when you're in sin. You try to make everybody else sinful. Yeah. All right, y'all, y'all, y'all. Yeah, I did that, but everybody else doing it too. They just ain't saying nothing. <laughs> so he's trying to throw guilt on everybody else. Oh, well, David must be unclean. What would make David unceremonial unclean? He's married to your daughter. <laughs> he married Michael. So if he's ceremony unclean, then his daughter's unclean. Next verse. <clears throat> However, that day after the new moon, this David's place still, I've read that, okay. Uh, okay, I know I didn't. However, the day after the new moon, the second day, David's place was still empty. Saul asked his son, Jonathan, why didn't Jesse's son come to the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David asked for my permission to go to Bethlehem, which sounds like a good answer. He said, please let me go because our clan is holding a sacrifice in the town. My family wants to celebrate the new moon. It's a new season. And my brother has told me to be there. So now if you are pleased with me, let me go so I can see my brothers. That's why he didn't come to the king's table. Watch this. Then Saul became angry with Jonathan. Watch this. What is this supposed to be? The new moon. What is a new moon? A feast. A feast of celebration. What's the attitude in the house? Huh? 
Supposed to be happy, but what's the attitude in the house now? Anger. And when you're angry, you can't hear from God. And when you can't hear from God, what do you do? You act out of your emotions. So this is a season where they should be celebrating, but he gets caught up in his feelings and he can't even celebrate. So he becomes angry with Jonathan and shouted, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Who is he talking about? His wife. I'm not going to go there, but if you go to the message Bible, you ever read the message Bible? He says, you son of a slut. This is in the Bible. That's the interpretation of the message Bible. My question is, what kind of woman did you marry? If, 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 if that's what you look at her as, then what did you marry? And if she's that, then what are you? You a perverse, slut-loving man. You got to be careful what you call people. You son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you are siding with Jesse's son to your own shame and to the disgrace of your... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all see that? <laughs> She's a perverse and rebellious woman, but you're bringing shame to her. Y'all with me? Hold on. How, how am I bringing shame and disgrace to a perverse and rebellious woman? You're saying things out of anger. And when you say things out of anger, you say things you don't mean. One thing that I take pride in is in all my years of marriage, I've always been cautious of what comes out of my mouth when I'm angry. Because there's certain things that you say that you can't take back. I'll forgive you, but I'll remember what you said when you was in the heat of the moment and you talked about my mama. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm petty. I'm sorry. I'm Petty White. <laughs> I'm Petty LaBelle. <laughs> I, I love you, but I, I remember when we was mad. You said my mom. <laughs> so you got to be careful. Because now out of anger, he calls his wife something that he didn't really mean. To hurt somebody else. And what does the Bible say? Be angry, but what? Sin not. Meaning that if there's an issue, go to another room and cool down. But don't let your mouth get the best of you. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And if you open your mouth against somebody wrong, it can it can personally, it can hurt somebody and scorn and, and tear somebody apart when you use the wrong words. That's why it is so important. And I'm, I'm all over the place today, but I, I'm, I'm here today. That's why it's so important that we're careful with the words that we say to our children. Yeah, that's right. Because you're shaping and molding them based off of the vocabulary that comes out of your mouth when you speak to them. That's right. Oh, you so stupid. Get over here, dummy. You crazy just like your daddy. <laughs> your silly self. That's why you're dumb. Your grandmama was dumb. All that. all that and you think you're just saying certain things and now they growing up and they struggling in school and they struggling with with their their, their self esteem and they walk around with their head down 
and they're not, they're not winning in life and they're, they're not doing anything. And it's because you thought you were playfully using words, but you were actually piercing them with your tongue and you were speaking death before your child even got to really live their life. So now you have an 18 year old child who now has to spend the next 18 years trying to regenerate and refocus their mind to get out all the negativity that you put in them from the moment they were born. Because you spoke out of emotion, but you didn't speak out of God. Yeah. All right, I'll talk about me. You spent a portion of your adulthood trying to change the negativity and can I help you? And some people never do. So I'm cautious with how I handle certain people. And what I'm learning to do is try to understand their background. What kind of house did they grow up in? Were they verbally abused? Because maybe they're so scarred that they can't speak positive. Now it's my opportunity to witness to them. And change their pessimistic ways to optimism. Yes, yes. And say, no, you're not dumb. That's right. No, you won't be poor all the days of your life. Amen. That's why the gospel is so powerful. That's, right. That's why Romans 12 says, be ye renewed. Why how? Uh-huh. He, he, he has to get these people out of the mindset that they're damned for hell. I'm not yes, cussing. Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. So Saul's words are supposed to hurt Jonathan, but luckily Jonathan is strong enough to let them things roll off. Every day Jesse's son lives on earth, watch this, you and your kingship are not secure. So we'll look at what he's doing now. He's trying to put Jonathan against David. And that's what people do that are manipulators. A manipulator will put you against your friend. Why he get to preach? You can preach too. Why she get to do the word of the week? You can do the word. Why they get to sing? You can sing. <laughs> Vanessa thinks she sing better than everybody. You get up there and Karen next time just holler over her when she leaves the song. <laughs> you are alpha. <laughs> Let her know. <laughs> she up here trying to just take over the song. You can sing too. You anoint it. Y'all laughing with that. <laughs> They really go down like that. <laughs> Somebody can't play ball, but they run up and just snatch the ball, start shooting up y'all game. You ever see that with them little like four or five year olds play basketball? And what happens is somebody gets in your mind and makes you believe that your security is at risk. So they make you insecure and you end up hurting people so that you can feel better about yourself. Saul is trying to put Jonathan against David. But what did we learn? Jonathan loves David at how much? As much as he loves his own soul. You can't break me when I got the true love of God. Now send for him and bring him to me. He deserves to die. Jonathan answered his father back. Why is he to be killed? What has he done? Look at this. Then Saul threw his spear at Jonathan to kill him, his own son. This is what happens when jealousy overtakes you. Y'all want to see something that I saw? 
What did he just do? He threw a spear? Where they at? They're at the dinner table. Who brings a spear to the dinner table? (laughs) Who brings a spear to dinner? (laughs) That's like bringing a gun to Thanksgiving. You're supposed to celebrate with family and you (laughs) put this down here and pass me the mac and cheese. It shows you how messed up Saul is. That he's prepared to kill somebody during a festival. This is supposed to be a festival. This is supposed to be a season where God gives them insight for the next 30 days. But he has so much rage going on inside of him that he holds a spear in his hand so that he could kill somebody just in case. All right, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help Johnny. Some of y'all got that I wish I wish a brother would spirit. I, I ain't talking about Johnny. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I wish somebody would be up in my seat when I get in the movies. I wish that's you bringing a spear. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I wish somebody would say something to me. Y'all ever hear that all the time? I wish they would come up in here and you're bringing a spear to the table. Ain't nobody even do nothing. Ain't nobody even going to that movie. You're the first one there and you wish somebody in your seat. You're paranoid. So you have in your mind, I wish somebody would and ain't nobody even thinking about you. Saul, you're the king of Israel. You say a command and it happens. You speak a word and it's yours. You got the biggest palace in Gibeah and all of Israel, but you're so insecure that you bring a spear to the table, which shows us what? That power don't necessarily mean security. Just because you have a great title don't mean that you're securing yourself. Jonathan answered his father back. Now watch this. You just threw a spear at him. You ducked and missed, and you're still asking questions. I got to pray for Jonathan. (laughs) Jonathan answered his father back. Why is he to be killed? What has he done? Then Saul threw his spear at Jonathan to kill him, so he knew that his father was determined to kill David. Next verse. He got up from the table in fierce anger. What season is this? The new moon. New moon's supposed to be doing what? Celebrating. Celebrating. But Jonathan gets up from the table how? With anger. Which means the spirit is all messed up in the house. And it means that the whole house has no vision. Y'all with me? Whole house now has no vision. Because you've allowed a moment to ruin from hearing God. Whew. I don't know why I'm here to tell me Jesus. I, I promise you, that ain't, all this ain't in my notes today. But there must be a reason why I'm, I'm, I'm speaking this today. And I really believe what God is saying today is do not allow circumstances, anger, frustration to prevent you from hearing God in this next season. This is the most stressful time of the year. More people kill themselves during this time of the year than any other time of the year because they can't get their kid a tickle me Elmo doll. Yeah. A cabbage patch. Some clothes. So they kill themselves. Y'all, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Yes. 
They take their lives because they can't compete and they become so cloudy that they can't hear God speaking and they take their life while they're on the brink of a new year. This is the time of the year where folks get frustrated. You hear about all these fights in, in Walmart and Target and Black Friday and running over people with carts and you're so clouded that you'll bring harm to someone's life when you should be celebrating, trying to see God, what is the insight and what is the word concerning my life for the new year? Don't become clouded. Remove distractions. If you have a spirit of jealousy, and I know we, we don't want to admit it right now. Ain't nobody going to admit it. Everybody think, you, you know, you just love everybody. If you got a spirit of jealousy, deal with it. It will eat you up. And it will prevent you from seeing what God has for you because you're too focused on hating somebody else. Get that spirit out of you. Amen. So now a whole house has been destroyed. Watch this. David is getting ready to run away from Saul for 20 years. The man that has fought the Philistines for them. The man that has defeated Goliath for them. The man that has given them victory after victory. Saul is getting ready to lose his daughter because she got to go with her husband. Because you were so clouded with your judgment and you were so stuck up in yourself that you have now split your kingdom, you have split your family, and you have lost your greatest warrior because you got caught up in your feelings. If he would have reset and refocused, he would have heard from God and God would have spoke to his heart and gave him instruction concerning David. But we don't want to hear that. Can I help you? Because sometimes we don't want God to tell us the truth. I'm guilty. Certain books of the Bible I avoided. <laughs> Y'all quiet. There's certain chapters in the book I avoided. There's certain book chapters in the book I avoided preaching. Because it walked down my lane. So Saturday nights, I'd be like, <laughs> let's preach joy. Let's preach I'm still a praiser. And what I love about expository preaching, what I do now, when we walk through whole books of the Bible, is I have to confront what's there. Whether I like it or not on Sundays. So some Sundays, I'm going to deal with lying. Some Sundays, I'm going to deal with cheating. Some Sundays, I'm going to deal with adultery. Some Sundays, I'm going to deal with fornication. Some Sundays, I'm going to deal with backbiting. Some Sundays, I'm going to deal with family issues. And there's nothing that you can say. You can't say, oh, he said he talking about me. Nope. Because we just happened to land on chapter 22, the Sunday you came to church. That's right. You can't run from God when it's in the book. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for the appointed meeting with David. Saw a small young man was with him. He said to the young man, run and find the arrows I'm shooting. As the young man ran, Jonathan shot an arrow beyond him. He came to the location of the arrow that Jonathan had shot, but Jonathan called to him and said, the arrow is beyond you, isn't it? Then Jonathan called to him, hurry up and stop. Jonathan's young man picked up an arrow and returned to his master. 
He did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the arrangement. Then Jonathan gave his equipment to the young man who was with him and said, go take it back to the city. When the young man had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone of Ezo, fell with his face to the ground and bowed three times. Look at this. This is the end of the festival. During the festival, God is supposed to speak. God has spoken. It ain't necessarily what he wanted, but it was what he needed. He fell with his face to the ground and bowed three times. Then he and Jonathan kissed each other and wept with each other, though David wept more. Jonathan said to David, watch this, go in the assurance the two of us pledged in the name of the Lord. When we said the Lord will be a witness between you and me and between my offspring and your offspring forever. Then David left and Jonathan went into the city. Now stop here. The Lord will be a witness between you and me and between what? My offspring and your offspring. How long? Forever. Jonathan knew at that point that David would eventually become king. So he's saying, remember our covenant between my offspring and your offspring that you'll save my children. A few chapters later, we're going to get to that. There's going to be a war that's going to break out. And Jonathan's daughter or Jonathan's wife is going to be carrying their son. And she's going to drop him on his head. And he's going to have mental retardation. Mm, He's going to be lame. But David's going to remember this. And he's going to be lame. He's going to walk with a limp. Mentally, he's not going to have all his capacity. But David remembers Jonathan's oath. Mm. He looks beyond the condition of the son. He doesn't say the son is this. And I I don't think Jonathan cared about him. He remembers him. And when he remembers him, he's going to call him out of a place called Lodibar. Which is the hood. And bring him to the seat of the table to eat with him again. That actually symbolizes us. That we have been broken. We've been destroyed. We've been torn down. We've been set aside. But God has never forgot his covenant with us. And on that great morning, he's going to call us to the table. Broken, scarred, destroyed, but we're still going to have a seat at the table. Praise God for Jesus. I'm done. I'll give you these three points and sit down. (laughs) Y'all with me? Number one, sanctification is a process. Don't fall for a one-time experience. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen too. <laughs> Amen. A lot of times you hear about guys faking the Holy Ghost. Fel- ladies will fake it too. They want the right man. <laughs> I'm saved. <laughs> it's a process. Study a person's fruit. Right. Uh, you know, I'm glad you can shout, but do you live holy? Do you really know Jesus? Number two, God is with you through all seasons. Thank you. Don't allow your cave season or your dark season make you believe 
that God isn't speaking. As a matter of fact, if you're going through that season, that's the best time to get in tune with your spirit so that you can hear God. Number three. Uh oh. <laughs> Number three. And David said, look for the good and the bad. I know that sounds hard, but you got to look for the good. You got to look for the good. We talked about uh, spaghetti and all that, but can I help you? Some of y'all are some great chefs to this, to this day because you learned how to make some struggle meals. <laughs> we should have a spaghetti contest. I bet you some of y'all can hook it up. Because y'all done had some, some of y'all done had some struggle meals. I could bring some box of noodles in here right now. Some of y'all can show us all types of stuff. There's some good. Nate like, yup, I got that. <laughs> Sometimes, even in the bad season of our life, God is building our character for the good. And it gives us great experiences, great lessons, and great recipes. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, before that, though, we're going to take up. Um, that's right. Oh, I like that. Is that the uh, Incredibles? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have um, a word of prayer, and then we're going to take up our offering. Uh, let's all stand to our feet. <clears throat> Yes, yes, yes. I thank you for reminding me. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the word on today, God. Thank you, Lord, for moving by your spirit, God. We thank you, Lord, for uh, this chapter 20, which is full of so many valuable lessons. Um, God, my prayer today is for those of us that may have had a tough season, uh, whether it was the last quarter, whether it was the the second half, whether it was the whole year. Um, we've experienced some some tough situations, some tough losses, some tough financial seasons. Uh, but God, I pray, God, that you speak into our ear. Uh, give us insight and instruction, God, on how to prep and prepare for 2020. Uh, God, we ask Lord, that you just give us clarity. And God, I believe in all my heart that this is going to be one of the best years ever for your people. Regardless of impeachments and all of the things that are going on uh, out in the secular world, God, we know that you provide and you take care of your people. And we thank you in advance, God, for the doors that are getting ready to open. We thank you in advance, God, for the great news that is getting ready to come upon us. We thank you, Lord, for the family members that are going to be saved and touched and delivered. We thank you in advance, God, for just the great testimonies that you're going to bring through these doors in the next couple of weeks. And God, we thank you and we love you. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.